Well, just let me introduce Pastor Aaron. Pastor Aaron is senior pastor of Chosen Church in Armadale. And Aaron had an encounter with Jesus which radically transformed his life and set his life on a whole different course. Um, he's gone on to do great things, and I don't want to miss any of this. He's the founder and director of The Champion Project, a charity helping people who are facing a tough season and empowering and encouraging people. And he's also the ACCWA state leader for community engagement, which is fantastic. So helping churches and organizations make a significant impact in their community. He's married to Christy, has five children. So come on, guys, let's make him feel welcome. Put our hands together and welcome Pastor Aaron. Thank you, Pastor Adele. That was a very nice introduction. How is everybody? Good? Very good. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, good looking. Very good. Thank you all um, uh, for having me here today. I'm actually quite excited and feel quite blessed to be here. You guys know you have incredible pastors, right? Your pastors, Pastor Mel and Pastor Jacob, are very incredible people. Um, and then also to have uh, generals in our faith uh, like Pastor Malcolm um, is um, incredible as well. You guys are really blessed. Um, Pastor Jacob and I actually went to school together. Um, yes, I have a story similar to his um, in terms of I was not, uh, I didn't, I wasn't born a pastor, funnily enough. Um, that was not my, my first part of my life. I actually, um, had an encounter with Jesus um, when I was in jail. So I got into drugs really early uh, in my teen years. Both my sister and I had an older sister. Uh, we got into uh, heroin very early in our teen years. Um, and what is inevitable with drugs is um, bad things happen. And so I uh, ended up serving a reasonably lengthy um, jail sentence. Um, and whilst I was in jail, I had an encounter with Jesus that just changed everything for me. Um, it was actually on Good Friday. This isn't part of my message, by the way, but it was on Good Friday, 2004. And I was in my prison cell. And I remember the day because at the prison that I was at, it was at Acacia Prison at that stage. And um, they had this sort of like an open day, like so families could have a bit of an extended visit, like a bit longer. Your loved ones could come in and... I'd burnt every bridge. I had alienated everybody in my life. And so I was sitting in my cell. I could hear everything going on outside and the laughter and, the, and, and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, and then something inside of me, I had this strange feeling on the inside of me that I had um, not experienced for a while, at least for a long time. And I didn't know what it was. I just felt really unsettled. I was just like something on the inside of me was wrong. And then I realized it was actually a feeling kind of like, I guess, reflecting back on it now, a little bit like remorse or, or, or missing out or, or something. I I'd, uh, realized that I'd really destroyed my life. And I put myself into a place where uh, I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. 25-year-old man sitting in a prison, in a prison cell, uh, you know, halfway through this sentence thinking, what have I done with my life? I've destroyed it. I've absolutely destroyed my life. And I had a, a moment where I thought, well, it's all over then. There's nothing left to do. Uh, it's just darkness. It's just horrific. And so I called out to 
some understanding of some idea of God without any real context of God in my life. And I said to God, if you're real, if you are real, then I need you to radically transform my life. I said, because I don't want my life. I don't want to live. I don't want this. And that was the first time I heard God speak to me. And God said, you might not want your life, but I want it. And I said, well, there's not much of it to offer, so you can have it. Uh, But I decided in that moment to give my heart to Jesus, to say, all right, God, do what you will. Uh, And it has been an interesting journey uh, since then. I'd love to say it's been all easy, but it hasn't been all easy. Um, I still had another year or so uh, of of jail to do, and um, trying to get your life right in jail is quite difficult. Um, But then getting out is even harder. So I actually struggled more getting out of jail than I did being in jail. It was harder to assimilate into society because most people just do what they do like it's normal. I got out of prison 25 years old and I'd never paid a power bill. I'd never paid a power bill. I'd been a heroin addict since I was 15 years old and people just expect you to know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I'd never cashed a check that was actually mine. I'd never done lots of things that are just standard practice and so getting into this the sort of you know the the flow of life took took me some time um but i remember on that day the thing that actually changed me and it was there's i'd met this this guy and he was a chaplain um and he um he'd send me a letter every now and again um and it'd just be a generic letter but on the bottom of the letter, he would say, oh, I want you to read a particular Bible scripture. And he sent me um, uh, this letter this time. And the, the impact point, the point where my life really, really changed, was on the bottom of this letter, it had uh, read the end of Romans 8. I'll just paraphrase it. But essentially, the end of Romans 8 says that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And for me, the... The, the mind-blowing part of that in the situation I was in was that even my past, all the harm I had done, all the crime I had done, all the pain I had caused didn't separate me from his love. That's mind-blowing, right? The green tracksuit that I was wearing, prison greens, I'm wearing green now, it took me a long time to wear green again, Um, didn't separate me from the love of God. The fact that I was in a cell alone didn't separate me from the love of God. Somebody here today needs to know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing you have done, nothing you will do, nothing that's been done to you, nothing you say, nothing that's said over you will separate you from the love of God. He has already paid the price have relationship with you and all we have to do is accept it amazing right amazing and then the things that he can do in your life once you do ask him in is just incredible man i've had so many like amazing opportunities i dropped out of school in end of year nine and i get to like sit on boards and teach people and stand up here and you guys are listening to me it's kind of comical like in the back of my head i'm like suckers (laughs) if only you knew But that's what God does, right? He makes the impossible possible. And no matter where you've been and what you've done, He can use that. He can do something. It's 
absolutely, I use the term mind-blowing a lot, but it is mind-blowing what God can do in your life. The restorative power of Jesus is just absolutely epic, absolutely epic. Um, turn with me, if you will, to Genesis 35, Genesis 35. Very good. We'll just pray before we get into the Word, if that's all right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, uh, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Lord, we don't take it for granted that we can actually do this. We can gather regularly together and loudly proclaim your name. We can freely worship you. What a privilege, what an honour. So many people around the world don't get to do that, but we get to do it. So, Lord, we're not losing sight of that this morning. Lord, we don't want to get caught up in titles and positions and all of that stuff. We just come, sons and daughters, to a loving Father in heaven. Lord, I, I just am grateful that you uh, offer to join my frailty with your majesty. I do ask, Lord, that you hide me in the shadow of your cross and that it's your word that's heard this morning. May there be less of me and more of you. And Lord, may there be fresh revelation. May there be powerful encounter. And may there just be a moving of the Holy Spirit in this place this morning. May you be glorified and honoured in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Genesis 35. 35. We'll start at number one. This is a really cool story. If I get, if I start speaking too fast or reading too fast, I say, slow down. Slow down. Because it's exciting, right? I do the, like... When you're reading the Bible, if you're somebody when you're reading the Bible and you're like, oh, this is dry and boring, you know, this is hard. Just like stop for a moment, reconfigure your mind and then like picture yourself there, like actually in it and then it will be different, right? So then you start, it's, when you're just reading a story about something, it's like, yeah, not my, not my scene, not my thing. But if you're there, if you're watching it happen, it's different, right? Um, so anyway, so this is, this is um, really cool. This is cool. So Genesis 35 um, just gives us a little bit of context here, the, about 15, 1 to 15. It says, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I'll build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Sheshem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them, so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, uh, that's Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel. Then verse 9, this is, this is important from here. After Jacob returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, 
but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you and I'll give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. And Jacob set up a stone pillar at that place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God talked with him Bethel. And I love this story. Um, and if you're thinking, you know, well, how do I get into that? Even if you just stop for a second and think about God was talking to him. <laughs> Have you ever stopped to think about that? Like that you can talk to God? Isn't it like mind-blowing? You can talk to God and God will talk to you. He's the creator of it all, yet he seems to be interested in you and me. And he'll take the time to talk with you. Pretty amazing, right? And I love this. There's a bit of talk here about blessing. Obviously, talking to God, that's a blessing. And I think it's safe to say that we... Uh, all want to live a blessed life, right? I want to live a blessed life. Do you want to live a blessed life? Turn to the person next to say, I want to live a blessed life. <laughs> we all want a blessed life. We want our families to be blessed. We want our friends to be blessed. We want our workplaces to be blessed. We want to be blessed. Amen? Lord, bless me. Well, blessing is available to everybody. In the words of Oprah, you can have a blessing, and you can have a blessing, and you can have a blessing, and you can have a blessing. We can all have a blessing. Blessing is available to us all. Blessing and favor can be upon all of us. Now, I know what you're thinking. He's going to do one of these prosperity messages. No, I'm not. I'm not promising you rainbows and sunshine, provided you tithe at this church. Then you can have no, that's not how it works. That's not what I'm offering here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to make it seem like everything will always be rosy because it's just not true. Anybody who's walked with Jesus for any length of time will know that that is just not the case. It's not always going to be easy. And the Bible is actually very clear about how we will face troubles. In John 16, 33, it says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace because in the world you will have tribulation. Then a bit of encouragement, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In Romans 5, verse 3, we rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Who rejoiced in their suffering lately? Come on. Rejoice in our suffering. And in James 1, it says to count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds. The last time things got tight financially, I was not doing cartwheels in the backyard, but I'm going to try to live to it. So we know that we are going to face some issues along the way. The scriptures tell us, the living word of God tells us that there is going to be some hardship. And we shouldn't really be surprised about that, right? says over and over again, we read these stories through Scripture of 
all the disciples, everybody having some hardship. So we shouldn't be surprised when we do face hardship. However, great blessing is also available to us. And the problem is that most of us would say that we don't experience that blessing all the time. That it doesn't feel like that. There'll be a few people speckled through the room that kind of live like they're walking on a cloud. But for most people, we wouldn't say that we live a constantly blessed life. We would say, occasionally I'm blessed. In fact, something I hear most of the time is, I remember when I was blessed. I remember that time. Remember that time, the good old days? Everybody's talking about the good old days. Can we get back to the good old days? If we only did it like we used to do it, it would be different now, the good old days. I don't remember the good old days. Maybe I was in jail during the good old days, but I don't remember the good old days. We think back to a time where we felt blessed. It's like the start of a story, once upon a time, long, long ago. But we need to understand what a blessed life actually looks like. In order to live your blessed life, you need to understand what a blessed life actually looks like. Because I think the world tries to tell us something different. The world tries to infiltrate our minds and give us an idea of what it should look like. And we're chasing after the wrong things. The truth is, a blessed life is not about prosperity. It's not about possessions, it's not about promotion, it's not about position, and it's not about prominence. That's not what a blessed life is about. Living your blessed life is all about Jesus. That's it. In fact, all you need to do is write in your notebook right now, it's all about Jesus, and we can all go home. Because that's the only thing that matters. It is all about Jesus. It's all about your relationship with Jesus. It's all about being close to Jesus. It's about knowing Him and hearing Him, talking to Him, interacting with Him and being obedient to Him. That is how you live your blessed life. It's not about the things. It's not about the opportunity. It's not about the provision. It's about the relationship. It's all about your proximity to Jesus, being close to Him. It's interesting. We're part of an amazing denomination, Australian Christian Churches, formerly Assemblies of God, um, and we are proudly Pentecostal. Amen? Proudly Pentecostal. We believe in the move of the Holy Spirit. We are spirit-filled, hand-raising, tongue-speaking, mountain-moving, water-walking prayer warriors. Amen? Hang on, let me do that again. Spirit-filled, hand-raising, tongue-speaking, mountain-moving, water-walking, prayer warriors. Amen? Man. And as Pentecostal Christians, we love an encounter with Jesus. We love those encounter moments. In fact, we, we look for them. We create opportunity, environments, and atmosphere so we can have those encounter moments with God. But we need to be searching for more than just a moment. That moment needs to turn into a movement in our soul. It needs to be more than just one encounter. An encounter is good, but we need a never-ending encounter. We can't rely on that encounter we once had, that, that encounter at youth camp. I talk to people in their 60s, and they're telling me about the encounter they had with Jesus in their youth camp. I'm like, dude, 
You need to get in your word. You need to start digging until you strike oil again. Because that one encounter you had can't be the word for today. It's too long ago. Have an encounter, a new encounter, a fresh encounter. We need God. We need to be chasing after a never-ending encounter with God. I'm all for an amazing altar call, people getting slain in the spirit. People, all of the, I'm all for it, 100%. I'm in. I'm there. Tell me where it is. I'm booking the time I'm going to be there. But we can have that all the time. That shouldn't be just, oh, I've got to go to church on Sunday just to get my encounter with God, provided the person's playing keys and they're singing in the right note. We can seek after, and you were definitely singing in the, on that. Oh, right. That was beautiful. That's, I was having an encounter. But we've got to be seeking after an encounter with God. In Genesis 35, we see a couple of uh, things here, a couple of tips, if you will, to help us or that demonstrate for us what it's like to be living our blessed life. So point number one for those taking notes is a fresh encounter. Say that, a fresh encounter. Genesis 35 verse 9 says, After Jacob returned from Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again. Again. That's such an important word. God appeared to him again. So it wasn't the first time. It was again. Seek an again word. Someone here needs an again word. You need a new word, a fresh word. Hearing from God. This was not the first time that Jacob had had an encounter with God. Again. Again. We need to be seeking after the presence of God. Seeking after Him to appear to us again. To hear from Him again. To talk to Him again. Again and again and again. If you spoke to Him yesterday, speak to Him again. If he appeared to you last week, speak to him again. Chase after those again moments. A fresh encounter. We can't keep relying on the encounter that we had way back when. We can't keep relying on the encounter that we had at last year's conference. We can't keep relying upon that because our life will just be this endless roller coaster of misery and then an encounter and the misery and an encounter where we can seek after God and get a word again, again and again. I love encounters with God. I love corporate encounters with God. They're special and they're powerful. And that word that you got in youth group 30 odd years ago, it was powerful. I'm not discrediting that. I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm not saying it wasn't a foundational word for your life. I had an encounter with God in a prison cell. And the end of Romans 8 has always been something that I really hang on to. It's part of my mantra for my life, that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. But I haven't left it at that. I keep chasing after the next thing. What have you got for me today, Lord? As my life grows with Him, I should grow in my relationship with Him. Yeah? I don't tell my kids when they're born, all right, when you're nine, you're doing the dishes. When you're 12, you're mowing the lawn. When you're 15, you're getting a paper round. And when you're 20, you better be a lawyer so you can pay for my nursing home and then not speak to them ever again, do I? We don't do that with our children. We walk with them on the journey, right? We partner with them. Why? Because we love them. We want to spend time with them. Well, God's the same. 
He actually loves you and he wants to spend time with you. You know those moments for those who are parents where your kids come up, I've got lots of kids, when your kids come running up and they like nuzzle in and they want to talk to you? They're just amazing moments, like incredible moments. But God is a father who loves you and wants to have those moments with you. And then as parents, we instruct our children, right? We help to steer them in the right direction. So they sit and listen and learn from us. And that's what God is asking us to do. We can't rely on one encounter and think we're going to map it all out and it's all going to be good. There has to be these moments where we speak to God again. Last week, uh, I um, got a call from a lady in our church, amazing lady, she's got a bit of a prophetic gift, uh, and she rang me just because she'd been praying and she sent something, so she wanted to share it with me, and, um, and she said um, how God had impressed upon her that I was entering into a season where I was seeing God in a deeper way than I had ever before. Um, and she was right on the money. My walk with God has changed a lot over the years and in my current role, uh, it's changed again. It's kind of uh, my, my need for Him has become so much more apparent. The more things I get involved with and the further along the journey I get, the more I realize how much I need Him. And funnily enough, I go away about every three months, two to three months, I'll take like two or three days and I go down south and pray, right? Just go to the beach somewhere and I pray. Just spend time with God, try and hear from God. Try and, not, and I know not, not everybody's schedule allows that, but can I encourage you if you can to try and fit that in? It's really, really good. And what I've learned, I've been to Bible college, I've done all those things, I've studied, and what I've learned, the more and more I press into God, the more and more I realize just how much I need Him. And how broken I am. And how amazing He is. And how much I don't know Him. <laughs> I read this book over and over and over again. And every time I open it, something new comes out again. I'm like, hang on, I've read that. That didn't mean that. But again, God's speaking. Again, God's speaking. Again, God is speaking. We love, uh, for anyone that's been in church and knows anything to do with the Bible, we all know about King David, mighty king. He's a mighty warrior. This guy, he's a historic figure. You can find him in, in journals and things like that. Uh, his tactical ability in battle, incredible, right? Amazing, amazing, fearless warrior and leader with a great call on his life. But if you turn with me um, to First Chronicles 14... There's a little passage in here, First Chronicles 14, and it says, we'll just read from verse 8, a little chunk of scripture here. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of a place that's hard to say. So David inquired of God. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him. That's an interesting point in itself. David inquired of God and God answered. If you've got an issue, inquire of God. He might answer. The Lord answered him, go and I'll hand them over to you. So David and his men 
went up to another place that's hard to say, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called that hard word. And the Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Then in verse 13, it says this. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. Same guys, raided the valley. So David inquired of God again. And God answered him. Do not go straight up, but circle around them and attack them in front of the tree. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, uh, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Giza. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. It's incredible. It's the same army coming to attack. He'd beaten them before, and I can only like if I was there, that I'd be like, been there, done that. Let's go. But he didn't. He inquired of God again. Sometimes the season will look like it's the same as you've experienced before and you think you already have the answer. And we go out to battle something that we've battled before and beaten and we wonder why we're losing. We wonder why the same approach didn't work. How come this worked before? How come I was okay last time? How come I got through last time, God? Why didn't you put them in my hand this time? And it's because we didn't inquire of God again. We have to get a fresh word, a fresh encounter, an again word from God. It's so necessary. We can't get complacent. David's success and fame came from the fact that he knew he needed direction from God. Time and time again, when you follow his story, he just knew he needed direction from God. He would ask God, inquire of God again. Again and again. Point two, say point two. In living your blessed life, you will experience transformation. Transformation will be a sign that you are living a blessed life. Genesis 35 verse 10, sticking with the story in Genesis. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. After an encounter with God, you will be changed. Expect change. After encounter with God, you should feel different. There should be something changing in you. An encounter with God can radically transform your life. There should be transformation taking place. Right from the beginning of time, God has been transforming lives through fresh encounters and again moments. People find their identity in Him, then He transforms their life through an encounter with Him. 
in Genesis, we read of Abraham and Sarai. They were old or mature people, I should say. Mature age, experienced, experienced people. And they had accomplished a lot. They had done well. They were successful in business and in their life and well-respected and well-known. But they didn't have the one thing they really wanted. There was one thing, one desire that really burned on their heart that they really, really wanted. And that was children. Then we read that Abraham had an encounter with God that changed everything. That changed everything. In Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2, God told Abraham to do something different, right? To, to do something different. He said, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. So this is a successful man who's accomplished a lot, achieved a lot, put a stake in the ground. Here's my land. This is what I'm doing. My family's here. This is how I provide. And God says, go from here. Doesn't even say where, the, where he's going. Just go from here. God said, do something new. Do, do, do something different. I'm taking you somewhere else. So Abraham pulled up stakes and left his home, traveling to a land he had never seen before, going to a place he had never been before. Along the way, gave, God gave him more details, um, but it's an interesting process. The one thing he wanted, he didn't have. So during another conversation, Abraham asked God directly, right? So in Genesis 15, verses 1 to 4, it says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, in an encounter. The word of the Lord came to him, said, don't be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza from Damascus? And Abraham said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Amazing, right? Also, think about the situation. Do you ever feel like every now and again I'll be like whinging to God about something? Something I want or something I feel like need usually a want not a need and I'm like oh and then I get like a little trigger kind of moment where I'm like oh am I just being a spoiled brat the answer is probably yes but Abraham had a lot but he still had a desire in his heart that he took to God and God still wanted to talk to him about it that one thing and God still wanted to talk to him about it then in another fresh encounter that Abraham had with God, another again moment, God said, you will be the father of many nations. He goes on to say, no longer will you be called Abraham, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Transformation is taking place through an encounter, an again moment with God. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. 
another again moment and another transformation. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Like, incredible, right? Totally not what you would be expecting. Totally not what you'd be expecting to hear from God. But this is what God was saying to him about an incredible transformation that would not only be on him, but on his wife and his family and their descendants to come for an again moment. The transformation came from the encounter, from the again moment, from seeking after God again. So they desperately wanted something different for their lives. They wanted children. And they knew that it would take a miracle, right? They had tried everything. They had done everything they could, practiced lots. And they still didn't have any children. So they knew it was going to be a miracle. They knew that in order to see the miracle, they needed to do something different. Because if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got, yeah? If we expect a different outcome, but we keep doing the same thing, it's the definition of crazy. So we've got to try something different. If we want a different outcome, we need to do something different. Seek an encounter with God so that you can get your direction for your transformation in order to get that change. Change is good. Change is necessary. Change is important. Jesus transforms lives. He changes lives. The last one. You'll know that you're living your blessed life because you will be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 35, 11 to 12, God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I'll give this land to your descendants after you. Again, let me say, I'm not suggesting that everything will always be easy. But the Bible does suggest that when we honour God, when we're obedient to God, when we seek after encounters with God, He provides for us. He looks after us. From that comes blessing. In this scripture, the promise made about to Abraham about the descendants is actually a reflection from the creation story right at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 1, verse 27 to 28, it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said, be fruitful 
and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. There's promise after promise just in this little piece of scripture. Promise of influence, promise of provision, promise of generational blessing. And it all comes from an encounter with God again that leads to transformation that manifests itself in blessing and favour. In order for us to live our blessed life, we need an encounter with God again and again and again. Can I encourage you that if you are wanting to live a blessed life, you're wanting what I'm talking about, you're thinking, I want to access that, I want to be part of that, I just don't seem to see it in my day-to-day, then get very well acquainted with this book. Make time every morning, prioritise getting up in the morning and spending time in your word. If you're like, but when I read, I don't get anything. Keep reading. Dig and dig and dig until you strike oil. If you spend an hour and you don't hear anything, then the next day, schedule in two. And if you do two hours and you don't hear anything, the next day, schedule in three hours. Because the only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus. The only thing. Nothing else matters. You could give me the world. You could offer me all the riches and all the fame in all of the world. But if Jesus isn't in it, it is not worth anything. It has zero value. How do I know this? From my own experience with God. Some of my most precious moments, I was sitting in a prison cell with nothing but a Bible and an encounter with God. Some of the most precious moments in my life have been just with my Bible and an encounter with God. We need to seek after God. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, Lord, tattoo on our hearts that there is nothing more important than you. Lord, we want a fresh revelation daily of the goodness and privilege and blessing that it is to be close to you. Lord, I ask now that as my words go out across this room, that there be a deposit, an anointing, direct from heaven, Lord, the word, the revelation, the understanding that you want for each person in this space. Lord, make this idea of living a a blessed life a reality for all of us, Lord. May we go out of this place changed today. May this not be just any other Sunday. May this not just be a filler day where we come to sing a couple of songs and feel good that we tick the box, Lord. Lord, we want a deep, rich, lasting relationship with you. We want to know you and hear from you and spend time with you. And Lord, we want to live out the life that you've created us for. So Lord, do something different in us today. Transform our hearts. Transform our minds. Lord, we're after a fresh encounter and again, Lord. Lord, I pray for those people who are in this room right now 
those people that need that word, that again moment, that new word for this new season. As things change and adapt and, and life moves forward, Lord, we need that fresh word to spur us on. And so for those people in the room, Lord, I pray right now you're just dropping that. Drop it now, Lord. It's in their hearts right now. Fresh word, new direction. And Lord, I pray for this church, Lord, as they uh, march through to the end of this year and catapult into 2023, into new beginnings and new things, Lord. May there be incredible favor, incredible blessing and multiplication, Lord. But Lord, not just for multiplication's sake, but Lord, may that be a testimony and may that be a sign of those encounter moments. May the transformation be a sign of the rich encounters that each person in this church has with you. And Lord, may that manifest in every individual's life. Lord, our heart is that you be glorified, that your name be lifted high. Help us to do that well, to be ambassadors of heaven, to honour you and to glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.